Thank you, Lord. Anyway, you know, when God says something, you need to obey and just do it right away. Amen. And I believe there's victory in people's lives this morning because the Spirit of God is working in our midst. Amen. So. Well, we hope that you all had a great Christmas. We have made it to the other side of Christmas. That's how we feel. If you don't have enough excitement in Christmas, you have to be around a whole bunch of little kids. And you will amp up your excitement a whole lot. We have seven children. Most of you know ages 11 down to nine months, nine months-ish. Oh, 10 months today. Oh, yeah. Ten. Yeah, 10 months. And um, wow, there was so much excitement, so much excitement. Then on Christmas Eve, I was woken up by children over and over because the they know yet? it stays dark a long time. They're like, it's morning. I'm sure it's morning. It's 2 a.m. Go on your bed. <laughs> like over and over. So it was kind of, it's a little bit, it's a little exhausting. It's fun, but exhausting. It took us several hours to clean up after Christmas, the house from Christmas in the morning and but it was it was a lot of fun we the kids got a drum set for christmas which i'm sure we'll live to regret for years (laughs) (laughs) but we're sure to get a good drummer out of it so we're hopeful we're hopeful we looked at each other and thought (laughs) boy are we crazy (laughs) what happened here what happened (laughs) yeah but it was good it was good we hope you all had a a wonderful season uh, that you had some peace in your in your world for this christmas season but that's awesome well you're all looking like me, like you've never seen me before. Yeah. Come on. It's not Christmas anymore. It's the after Christmas <laughs> It's the after coma. effect, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you know, um, uh, we're going to close out. Uh, you know, we've had a good series in the last three weeks, and she's done a lot better sure. than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I got to say that, but anyway. Um, uh, <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> keep talking okay thank you yeah all right yeah exactly she's the most amazing woman in the world you know she yeah yeah exactly praise the lord amen i'm gonna have a good year (laughs) and declare the word of the lord yeah so anyway um uh so we're we're gonna finish our series today and we're gonna talk to you uh just about uh the topic is just about living a life that matters you know how many would agree with me that we want our life to count? We want our lives to matter. In fact, I think I would guess if I was to step down and just sit, sat with every one of you individually and we talked about your life, uh, I bet you'd agree with me that you want, you want your life to have significance. You want it to count for something. How many say that? And you know, um, and I think that's just the story of life. And you think about it, you think about people that... Uh, <clears throat> Athletes, uh, professionals, wealthy people, everybody goes through a time in their lives where they're trying, you know, you can be successful, but not be significant. And sometimes people that are very successful, they're looking for significance. They're looking to find, to leave a mark. They're li- looking to leave something that says, you know what? I walked the planet and my life counted for something. That's the, and when we don't have that, there's something that really is missing for us when we do that. And you know, the, to have our life matter, it's inseparable that we have to add value to someone else's life. You can be incredibly successful at anything you do. You can put your hands to do and turn, turn dust into gold and do all that stuff. But if you don't add value to someone else's life, there's a void that's there. 
And there's that element of significance and the element of purpose. There's an element of, of actually having made a, making a difference misses. And I think we were designed by our master uh, creator who designed it that way because he created us in his own image. God is a giver. God is a creator. God always bestows a blessing on people who are undeserving. He bestows grace on us when we don't even deserve it. He loves us when we are unlovable. And so, so that part of us that's created in the image of God needs to add value to people's lives in order to see that our lives matter. Now, let me ask you a question. If you are, for, let's say, for instance, knew that every day, every day, you could add value to someone's life, okay? You could add value to someone's life, and at the same time, have Jesus recognize it and feel like you ble- and, and Jesus bless you, feel like you're blessing Jesus at the same time where he acknowledges says you know what you did that to me if you were to if you were to have that every day you're adding value to somebody's life and Jesus is saying hey you're doing exactly what I was asking you to do and you're doing a great job how many will be motivated and would say that's a good day every day how many will have a good day every day and, and, and I think sometimes we think of that and think of big things. We think of large things to be able to, to add value and to make actually a, live a life of significance or live a life that matters. And Jesus tells us that that's possible and it's not that complicated. It's actually simple, you know. And we're going to read a story here, our passage in uh, Matthew 25. And, and of course, Jesus teaches us how to do exactly just that. Okay, so do we have a slide for it? We do. We do. Mm -hmm. There we go. Uh, Let me read Matthew 25. We're starting at verse 31. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the son of man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting the sheep to his right and the goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, enter you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Jesus is telling us in that passage how we can add value to someone's life and minister to him at the same time. And that is by doing these things to the overlooked or ignored, feeding the hungry, giving a drink to the thirsty, visiting the sick. It goes, he goes through one by one. And then the scripture goes on to talk about the, the other side. Was it the goats? The goats, the ones who did not do that. They did not add value to someone else's life, which tells me they all had opportunity. One group took the opportunity. One did not. You know what? My, um, my one of my favorite people in history is Mother Teresa. I absolutely love learning about Mother Teresa. Her life is such an inspiration to me. But the more I've studied about her and learned about her, the more I realize that when you when you start with her childhood and stuff, she is was just a normal 
girl. She was just a normal person. She was a sinner like you and I. And the, the thing that made Mother Teresa different is that she believed this word, this passage we just read. She truly believed that when she saw someone, she saw Jesus in them. And she, she believed that with her whole heart. And that's what made her different. It changed her. It changed her perspective. Um, when we take a moment with people to meet their needs and to listen, we're adding value to them and we're ministering to Jesus. You know, reporters followed her around a lot. And many of them interviewed her over her, the, the time of her ministering years. And um, time and time again, they would ask the same question. One reporter told about a specific experience when she was following Mother Teresa. And um, this elderly man who was dying, he was at the very end of his life, was brought in full of gangrene. He was, uh, his sores were taking over his body and they smelled horrible. And the, the reporter was interviewing her. And so she followed, Mother Teresa stops the interview and goes to, to take care of this man who had been just brought to her home the home for the sick and dying. And, and um, the reporter goes with her to observe her in her work, right? And the reporter had to run out of the room to vomit because she couldn't stand the smell of the man's sores. And she tried to come back. She had to run out to vomit again. And later she asked Mother Teresa, how do you do it? I don't understand. How do you take care of somebody when they, it's overwhelming, even the, just the smell. Um, and Mother Teresa said, I don't, I don't smell the smell when I see Jesus in him. When I see him, I'm seeing my Lord. And I thought that is so powerful. Reporters over and over asked her the same thing. How do you do it? Because it seems superhuman. And it's not. She was not a superhuman person. She saw Jesus in those people that she took care of over and over. She saw them as Jesus. You know, when we see people as Jesus, when we approach them, we don't approach them with judgment. We approach them with compassion. When we see Jesus, we don't approach people with disgust. We approach them with love and with care. When we see Jesus in people, we don't, we don't see that, see, I'm too busy for you. We see, we see them and say, I have time for you. When we see Jesus, when we see them as Jesus, I believe that we can do things that we would not normally do. We can move out of our comfort zone of what we're normally comfortable with and we can, minister in a a way that we normally wouldn't you know i'm a nurse and maybe that's why i'm drawn to mother Teresa's story a lot because i'm i'm an abnormal nurse i am not touchy feely person at all (laughs) are you sure not at all (laughs) my husband can attest not at all but when you see jesus in someone you go beyond you go beyond who who you are as a person your natural personality because you're able to see past who, who they are, that person you don't know, that stranger, and you're able to, to see them in a new light. You see them as Jesus sees them. Good. Now, you know, the other thing that Jesus points out, and, and they did give it away there, so that would be my first point up there. So if you're writing notes, you're already ahead of the game. But uh, one thing that Jesus shows us, he's showing us how to see the big picture. Okay, look at that first verse. He goes, um, he says, um, when he finally arise blazing in in beauty and all his angels with him the son of man will take his place in his glorious throne now i think um uh, jesus jesus points out that if we want to 
have a life of significance. If we want to see people that way, first and foremost, we have to see everything and look at life in the, in the, in the light of eternity. Have an eternal perspective about life. That the everyday things that we do, the everyday, sometimes seemingly mundane things that we do, if we attach eternal significance to it, it changes our perspective and it helps us live differently. And so Jesus says, he talks about things, we know things like just helping your fellow man. Things that many of us, I want, I want to believe, do after all. Maybe not to the degree that we should. How many say that there's room for more? But yet he says, this is the final. This is eternity. This is when he comes, when he finally establishes his kingdom. He says, this is so important to me that I'm going to use this measure to divide, sort out the ships from the goats. And he says that, He puts it on the center stage. And he says, you know, what kind of people are people that are overlooked and ignored? Now, you think about it. There are people in our lives that can easily, they are easily overlooked. They are easily ignored. And that's why the Lord says, okay, that's who my heart is gravitating towards. He says, you pay attention to that one person that's continually overlooked, that's continually ignored. When you attach ministry, when you do something to them, when you add value to them, when you pay that attention to them, Jesus says, you know what? You did it to me. You sat down. You laid hands on me. You prayed for me. You laughed on me. You visited me. You you thought about me. And I know um, one of the in this city, there are a lot of uh, young people that uh, uh, have aged out of the foster care system, and many of them feel alone many times. And I know we have been uh, uh, reaching out, and uh, we'll, we want to reach out even more to, to these young people because Jesus is thinking about them. And we are his hands, and we are his feet, and we are his, his representatives. And when we show kindness to people, when we say, I'm there, you know, you're not alone, Jesus says, hey, I was lonely, and you were there for me. The people in your work, maybe a co-worker that nobody cares for, maybe because of their attitude, or who knows. Why, why not be different and not be like everybody else? Maybe it's a student, a fellow student, that doesn't quite fit in. And, uh, you know, but he says, when you pay attention to these people, you're, you're paying attention to me. Now, Jesus is reminding us again that, uh, that, that the big picture is, is taking everything uh, uh, into, and putting it in the light of eternity. And so what happens is what seemingly insignificant acts, when we add Jesus to the equation, they become significant. Anybody can help anybody. But when Jesus is in the mix, that little tiny thing, becomes something of great value. Amen? And so the other thing that I see here is, uh, uh, is that we also need to be intentional. You know, we can wish a lot of good things to happen. But being intentional 
is really turning our good intentions into good actions. Our desires into something we do. And it involves being deliberate, being consistent, and being willful. You have to be purposeful. Um, you never build a business by saying, oh, you know, how many people have you met with great ideas? Oh, I have them in my family. Maybe you have, you're a guy with great ideas, but you never put any action into it. That's what changed. That's a bridge. It's putting action into good intentions and being deliberate. And I think um, that um, to touch people, to love people, to be able to, to, to minister to people and add value to people, we have to be intentional about it. We have to be deliberate about seeking out people that would be overlooked. Seeking out people that would be forgotten. If they're already overlooked and forgotten, they're easily overlooked and forgotten. So we have to be that much more intentional to touch and to have value to people's lives. Amen? Uh, You want to say? "Mm -hmm." That was Jesus' life, really, (laughs) I was going to say. He went... He was very intentional about how he ministered to people. The Bible says in John 4, there's a story about when he went to Samaria. He was going, I think, from Judea to Galilee. And the Bible says he needed, he told his disciples, I need to go through Samaria. Now, Samaria, geographically, he did not need to go through Samaria to get there. But he went out of his way to go through Samaria. The need was an urging of the Holy Spirit. He wanted to go through Samaria. And Samaria, not only was it out of the way, but it was a place shunned by Jews. And remember, Jesus was a Jew. And it was an area that was shunned by the Jews. So he's going out of his way to a people that normally his people would not go to Mm -hmm. at all. And what happens, that's the story of the woman at the well, where he, 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 he sits down with a woman at the well. He asks her for a drink. She he tells her about the living water. He reminds her that she's had five husbands and the, one, the man she's living with now is not her husband. And he ministers to her and he changes her life. But he went out of his way. He was intentional in doing it. You know, he wants us to walk intentionally and sensitively to those who are like us and to those who are different from us. Both of those things. You know, if culturally, eth- ethnically, economically, people who are alike to us and people who are different from us. When we follow where God is leading our hearts toward people, it can change their lives and it can change our lives. When I was a, when I was a child, I had a lot of fears. I was a very, very fearful kid. Um, I had fears of everything. You name it, spiders, um, roller coasters, uh, a lot of things. And um, around when I was 11 years old, I was terrified of speaking in front of people. The list could go on and on and on. I was around 11 years old, and we were living in St. Louis. My dad was a music minister there. And um, the church was experiencing financial difficulties, and the staff was scattering. And my dad knew it was time to go. And he was trying to seek God, him and my mom, just trying to decide where to go. And I remember there were three places in the mix as kids, you know, you you hear snippets and you apply them to your life, right? <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Uh, one of them was Austin, Texas. One was Lincoln, Nebraska. And one was Kenya. And I, finally, they presented to us that it looks like we may we may be going to Kenya. And I tell you, I cried and cried and cried. I was terrified. I thought I would be eaten by snakes. <laughs> I, that was the end of my life as I knew it. I, I have a, uh, I come from a long line of missionaries 
And um, when you have missionaries in your family, missionaries have missionary friends. And I've been at many family dinners and heard stories about rats coming out of toilets, snakes coming out of toilets, being locked in a bathroom (laughs) with a snake in between you and the door. And like a lot of them are about snakes and toilets (laughs) and rats. And that did not help me at all. (laughs) I had heard way too many stories where the missionaries would sit around and laugh over dinner at how they survived and how awesome it was, and oh my word, I just got more and more terrified. And I, I don't even know how much that played into my parents' decision, but I was scared to death. And fast forward about four years, when I was 15, we obviously ended up moving to Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, it w- wouldn't have been my first choice, but compared to Kenya, I was much better, much safer here, much safer. <laughs> so at, anyway, when I was 15, I was down in T- Tulsa at um, my uncle's church at a youth conference. And we, we were at the end of the youth conference. We were praying for some mission team that was going to Mexico. And I was in the back goofing off because I didn't really care about missions at all. Not my thing. <laughs> and um, I felt like the Lord spoke to me so clearly in that moment there on the back row that I was to go to Africa in particular. I remember the continent of Africa. And so I, it was so clear, like, that was the first time the Lord had spoken to me so clear, like he had spoken it in my ear. And I went home and I, I was staying with my grandma and who lived in Africa for many years, had some of her children there and everything. And I started talking to her about it and she's like, yeah, go. I remember she gave me a puzzle of Africa. She's like, here, help me out. I don't know. <laughs> I went home and I told my parents and my dad goes, well, I'm going to Kenya in one year. You can come with me, but I don't have the money for your ticket. So you need to pay for it. And so I, at 15 years old, I worked every single day that next year and I saved the money and I bought my own ticket and I went to Kenya. And let me tell you, that trip changed my life. All fears were broken off of me, every one of them. And, and they have never been back to this day. I, I was like a new person. I was like, roller coasters, like totally everything. <laughs> I was so different. I ended up later ministering in orphanages in, in, uh, in several countries in Asia and Africa. And it, it changed my life completely. But when the Lord calls you to a people or a person, not only can you change a life, but it can change you completely. That's and right. I can t- attest to that. When the Lord's calling you somewhere to someone, you go. Yeah. Don't miss the opportunity. I know that I have had many opportunities missed in my day-to-day life. I've taken many opportunities to minister to people, like this verse says, but I know I've missed many, and I know I can do a lot better. I'm preaching to myself here. I can do a lot better at taking opportunities I see to meet people where they're at because I know that that's the heart of God. And that's I, I think all of us probably could say that we can take more and more opportunities. Sometimes they're big things. We have a vision to see an apartment building on this land for young people who have aged out of the foster care system. And that will change us as a church. And it will change us as individuals when we have a chance to touch young people like that. But we also have chances day to day to shovel a sidewalk for a neighbor, to take care of a coworker, to t- carry groceries in the grocery store for someone we see in need. That is true. Yeah, and sometimes we think of the grandest things, and it's also the simple things. Who would think? You know, a lot of us actually drive by a penitentiary, and that's where Jesus like, <laughs> I was in prison. for. Prisoners are not typically people that have done good. You don't go to jail because, hey, man, Mark, you've been so good this year, we're going to lock you up at the state pen. <laughs> that's just never happens. But Jesus says, I was in prison. And you came and visited me. It's not doing good.
to people that are good in our eyes. He's doing good to all people. He's doing good to even people that are undeserving. And truth be told, we are all undeserving. Apart from his grace, his mercy, I tell you, I thank God every day. I thank God a lot this morning. When I pray, I just say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for showing me mercy. Thank you for being gracious to me. If you don't pray that, you're missing out on something. And you're missing out on how big we have been forgiven. How large, how extravagant his love and his grace has been to us. We are undeserving. And he says, when we do that to people, to the least of this, to those that are ignored, you're doing it. And to me. Now, uh, going back, uh, just I want to touch on one more thing here. When it comes to um, uh, being intentional. You know, how many would love to see many people saved in Lincoln? How many would like to see people come to the... How many would like... You know, I go to the Haska games and I see people... Basically, almost worship, and, 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 and the, the team, and the atmosphere is, is epic, and I'm part of that crowd, and I, and, and I, get, I, I get, you know, you've gone to games with me, and, 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 I, and I get engaged. <laughs> Should I say that again? Amen. But we, we, we engage our, our, our members, our emotions, our will, our affection, um, our energy, our voice. On a team. It's a great team. If it was a bad team, I wouldn't do that. But <laughs> I want to see 10 times a fire for Jesus in Lincoln. I know there is capacity. When I go there, I know there is capacity to have praise like praise in heaven. There is capacity to really unleash and give God the praises that's do his name. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Your mind, your soul, your strength. How do you do that? You get excited when you praise God. You get excited when you worship God. You get all consumed when you do that. Not just your heart. Your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. You tell me, people, what strength? If you can jump, jump. If you can dance, dance. If you can celebrate, if you can shout, shout. Let's give God the praise that's due in his name. Again, I know that there's capacity to see, going back, that's a rabbit trail, and I do that a lot. (laughs) But I want to see this city be so turned on for Jesus. I want to see the harvest in this city. I want to see young people, old people, people of all walks of life, rich and poor, educated. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. I want to see people in Lincoln praising God and seeing revival in Lincoln. Amen? And you know, revival begins in us. And we could, we could desire that, we could pray for that, but the Lord says we need to be intentional about reaching people. Sometimes it's that nudging, like Jesus is, uh, is compelled to go to Samaria, which is out of his way. And sometimes God just gives our voices, talk to that guy. Talk to him. He's a stranger, but talk to him. Or someone that's opening, talk to him. And we think, oh, no, no, I can't. No, it's uncomfortable at first. It was out of your way. And that's how being intentional is. Like, okay, I'm pausing, I'm obeying the Lord, and you know what? I'm going to be intentional about praying for people. I'm going to be intentional about reaching people. Amen? So, um, but uh, with the, keeping the two things that, uh, that I talked earlier, intention, being intentional and seeing the big picture, I think in order for us to be able to get out of our comfort zone, for us to, to go out of our way, for us to get master the courage or, or the strength that we need to, to do that, I think we need to find common ground with people. 
Now, Sarah talked about the story of the Samaritan woman. You think maybe you've had the story and maybe it's new to you. Jesus goes out of his way. He goes and meets this Samaritan woman. There are so many things culturally that were so wrong about that conversation, that exchange there, that every religious folk will be like marking, oh, we know where Jesus is going. Heaven or hell, I don't think heaven. Because he broke every rule under the sun. One, we know that Jesus lived as a man and he lived a perfect holy life. So talk about the contrast. This was a woman that was known to have lived an unholy life. She knew about that. Just starting at that level, he was a Jew, she was a Samaritan. He, they just had nothing. He was a guy, he was a woman. There was nothing in common here. But Jesus found a place of common, a common ground, and he took interest. What was the common ground? He knew that this woman comes here to fetch water all the time. And Jesus wanted to give a living water. Where did he start the conversation? He found common ground. He says, hey, would you fetch me a bucket of water because I am thirsty. Let me, let me just get a drink. Let me have a drink from you. And I will give you a drink. And the kind of drink that I'm going to give you, you will thirst no more. And hey, I've made this trip too many times. I like that deal. Deal or no deal? Deal. But Jesus was able to find someone that he was so different from. North and south. Every measure in life was the opposite. But he still found a common ground. To have a conversation. And minister personally to this woman. And this woman will go and change her whole village from there. Her life will be changed. She will get an identity. She will receive forgiveness. She will get salvation. And she will be a great evangelist to tell people, I found the Messiah. Come on, come with me. You don't know, when you look intentionally to find a common ground with people, the person that you touch and add value to, how much that person, well, not only does it impact that individual, but that individual has the potential to impact so many others that you wouldn't have ever been able to touch. Yeah. Are you with me? Are you with me? Mm-hmm. So we have to find common ground. We need, we need to look for common ground with people. And there is, it is possible to have common ground with anybody. Mm-hmm. Did you hear me? No one is impossible. It is possible to have common ground with anybody, no matter what their background is, no matter what their, uh, their race is, no matter... What their economic, whatever their status is in society, it doesn't matter. It is possible to have common ground with anybody. It's possible, but like we said earlier, it's not always easy to see the overlooked and the ignored. And so I want to give you a few, three quick things that help us find common ground with people. If we keep in mind that everyone has good in them. Now, we're quickly to remember that everyone has bad in them, right? We kind of all know that. But everyone has good in them. If we're looking for the bad, we're going to easily see the bad. When we're looking for the good, we can see the good. You know, Jesus was a friend of sinners. So who are we not to be? Really? So if you're looking for the good in people, that will help you find common ground with them. Also, everyone needs to be valued. Jesus valued people. He loved the unlovable He gave attention to individuals, even those who were undeserving. When we meet a need, we're saying to that person, you are worth it. You are important. That's right. And everyone needs that. 
And let me tell you, there are people around us in our lives who are not getting that. That's true. The last thing is I can learn from anyone. I truly believe that. If I sat down with every one of you individually, I believe that I can learn something from you. And if we walk through our life remembering that we can learn from anyone, even a child, Mm -hmm. we'll see people with a different light. Mm -hmm. Those are three things I know I want to write on my bathroom mirror. Like, (laughs) remind myself, there is good in everyone, everyone needs to be valued, and I can learn from everyone. And if we really can get that down in us, we will see people in a different light. That is so true. Now, you see, <laughs> our human nature is, is that we see people not as they are. We see people as we are. We see people through our own lenses. So if I'm a person that is critical, say, for example, we tend to think people are critical. If I'm unhappy, we see people as, oh, these people are so unhappy, you know, and <laughs> Uh, it's like, uh, look in the mirror. If I'm uh, angry or cynical, we tend to see people in the same light and so forth. And on the same note, on a positive note, you know, if we are loving and caring individual, we, we tend to see good in people. And you know, we are not the best judge of ourselves. If we see, if we're positive, uh, we will see people as positive. So that's kind of our, our tendency, our human nature. But what we want is that we want to see people. We want God to help us to see people the way he sees people. Even better yet, in our case, we want to see Jesus in people. Like we're told in the scripture, when you see Jesus in people, we, we all of a sudden have this uh, um, 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 uh, capacity to do things that were originally impossible for us to do. To take an extra mile when we wouldn't have done it otherwise. To, 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 to break out of our comfort zone when we were absolutely terrified because we see Jesus in it. Okay? So the key for us is really is to see people and see Jesus in people. Then it helps us minister differently. And then I think about this. I thought it was interesting because the, the passage we read, if, if, if you go home, we didn't have time. We didn't want to take the time, I should say, um, to, to, to read the passage. He does go on and talk about the ones that missed out on the opportunity. And so he goes on and goes on. And, but what, what, what catches me in both of them, both the good people and the one that didn't do good, the ones that did good and the ones that didn't do good, both missed it. Because they asked, Lord, when did we ever see you sick? When did we ever see you hungry? When did we ever see you naked? When did we ever see you homeless? When? And says, oh, when, when you did this to, 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 to the list of this, when you did this to those that I ignored, you did it to me. You know, it's funny that even sometimes you could do good things and not see Jesus in it. But how many would agree with me that if you saw Jesus, that every time you took a kind act and you saw Jesus in people, how many would say that they'll be motivated to do more? Because I see when we, when we have God give us those eyes to see and to bring out, uh, to touch people and to bring value in people, when God helps us to be able to see that, I think to those that are not doing good, it actually inspires them to begin to change, make changes in their life where they start doing good. But I think for those that are already doing good, it motivates them even the more to do Good. 
And it reminds me of the scripture that says, Do not get weary in doing what is good, for in due season you shall reap a harvest if you do not give up, if you faint not, it says. So, our, our, our actions, our ministry to individuals is so that much important to God. And I want to pray for, for even in 2060s, that God will help me to be able to, to not miss out on opportunity, to not get weary in doing good, to not get tired of doing what you know needs to be done. To not be afraid when I'm confronted with a situation when I think I need to step in and do something about it. But oftentimes, how many of you ever been there? Maybe you guys are way more righteous than I am because I have passed out opportunities before. Should I, should I stop? Should I not? Uh, you know, a uh, scene of an accident. Maybe it's not that bad, but maybe they just needed a little hand. And you think, oh boy, I'm 15 minutes late. And you think, should I stop? You know, they're just everyday things that we can do to people and show God's love. And it counts. It matters. It makes our lives significant. It brings so much significance to our lives when we're touching others. When we make, yep, when you're touching others. Now, some of you are thinking, oh boy, Pastor Saul, you've been talking about go, go. Go all year round. You know, and this is what it's all about. It really is what it's all about. At the end of the day, we want to see people come to Jesus. And we want to be intentional about it. We want to add value to people, value that they will thank us for all eternity. And all of us have the capacity and have the opportunity, really, to do that to people. Isn't that good? How many have better goals for 2016? How many received something today? Come on, did you get something from the world today? All right. I want to pray for you. Do you have one thing, anything to say? No. No, okay. <laughs> yes, when we, when we are going and we're, when we're reaching people, I tell you, we live different lives as believers. That's right. You've been hearing go for all of 2015. But let me tell you, it will change your life when it mess- when the message really gets in you. It makes all the difference of being a Christian for their, your whole Christian, spending your whole Christian life focused on your worries, your cares, and trying to keep your head above water, or being a Christian that is changing your world. And let me tell you, you can change your world without being famous, rich, powerful. You can change your world one life at a time. Amen. And it makes your your Christian walk so much more awesome. Yeah. We're not telling you this for any sort of agenda. We want to see you guys victorious. We want to see you living a life where you are successful in the Lord, like doing great and mighty things for God, one if a uh, touching one life at a time and it's possible for each one of us. Amen. And you know, I've been saying this all year long and I'll say it again. That we don't ever lose when we do God's will. We don't ever lose when we give. Never. In, in, not in God's equation, not in God's mathematics. You never, the giver is always more blessed than the receiver. It is more blessed always to give than it is to give. It doesn't matter what it is in life. When you're giving time, you never lose. When you live, like the, the, when the young, the young, uh, young child that gave Jesus his bread and his fish, his packed lunch, he never lost by giving that to Jesus. Anything we give to the Lord, we end up. Better end. So never think once that, well, by looking out for others that you're going to lose because no one is taking care of you. No, 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 no. God is always watching. He keeps good books. He knows exactly what's going on. When no one is looking, he knows. 
And he rewards openly the things that are done in secret. The little things that we do uh, uh, privately. The little things that we never get any recognition. God knows. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us such a magnificent year, Lord. And I know even sitting in this room today that there are people that have had ups and downs this year. But Lord, you have brought us to the finish line and you have shown us your goodness. You have shown us your mercy. You have shown us your grace, O God. And for that, we are thankful. Thank you for the sins forgiven. Thank you for grace that is undeserved, O God. Thank you for mercy, O God, and help in time of need. Thank you for healing and health and family and provision and food, roof over our head, peace in our country, Lord. Oh, Father, we just thank you. The things that sometimes we uh, can take for granted, oh God. And we just thank you, Lord, that all the blessings that you have shown us and bestowed upon us. We thank you and we praise your name, Jesus. As we continue to pray, I want to pray for you. Um, uh, in fact, I'm going to ask every head bowed to continue just in that attitude of prayer. In fact, just continue to pray with me. Just pray on your seat there. But I want to open an opportunity for someone that you have never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. He's not in your life. You're talking about you want eternal rewards. You don't even know where, where you're going to spend eternity today. But Jesus today wants to extend salvation to you. He wants to extend mercy and grace to you. He wants to give you a new beginning. You start 2015 with God on your side and having that confidence that knowing that God is in you. He wants your life. You say, Pastor Solo, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to, I want to just have him come into my life. And, and, and I, I want you to just raise your hand where you are. I'm going to watch. My eyes are open. Every head is bowed in this place. But I want to pray a special prayer for you to ask Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. And maybe you've known him before. You've lived for him before. But right now in your life, you're far from God. He wants to give you a new beginning. And I want to pray just one more prayer for you because God wants to give you a new beginning. Stretch your hand. Show me your hand. Thank you, sir. Put your hand down. Thank you, man. Take your hand down. Thank you, sir. Put your hand down. I see it. Thank you. Put your hand down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Everybody, just continue to pray. I feel like God is just wanting to do something in people's hearts today. Pray in your seat right now with me. Just begin to pray for the person to your left, to your right. God is giving, bringing a new beginning in people's lives right now. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me right now? And we want to honor God for this that raised their hands today. We want to honor God today. Before I pray, I want to, or there's a scripture that says, I want to tell you. It says that if we believe, if we, first it says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, and that we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we shall be saved, because it is with the heart that one believes, and then righteousness comes to them, but then it's with your mouth that you confess, and you get salvation. And today I'm going to lead you in prayer. In fact, we're going to pray together. And I want you to pray from your heart. This is a prayer to God. And just, we're repeating to God what He already promised. To accept Jesus into your life. And I can guarantee you, your life will never be the same when you invite Jesus in your life. Can you pray with me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you today. And I come to you just as I am. Thank you for coming to the world and dying on the cross 
for my sins. I repent of my sins today. And I ask you to come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a fresh start. A new beginning. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. That's right. You can give God glory. Amen. I'm so happy for you that you made that decision in Christ. And right now, I'm not the only one happy. The Bible says that in heaven above, the angels of God are rejoicing. They are celebrating because you made a commitment to Jesus Christ today. It's marked in heaven and you mark it down in your life because that's how great it is. We believe you are saved, you are born again. When you pray that prayer with sincerity in your heart because God looks at the heart uh, and he judges the intentions of the heart. We want to help you. I have our pastors and elders will help you. We have some, something to give you. Don't leave without talking to one of the pastors or elders here. And uh, we'll give you something to help you so that next year will be your best year yet because you have Jesus in your life. Amen. Uh, they're going to lead us in a couple songs. And this altar is going to be open. In fact, my wife Sarah and I and these elders here are going to stay and pray. If you need just a special prayer. When the next couple of songs as we worship the Lord, you come on forward. We'll pray for you. The altars are, if you just want time with God alone, there's extra, extra padding here. So you get on your knees and get with God. And you know what? Leave the past behind. Leave 2015 behind. Get yourself connected with God. It's not just singing. We are worshiping and inviting the presence of God here. There's a heavenly transaction going on. When we worship, God's spirit comes down and he ministers to us. So I want to, I want to open this time up as we worship for prayer, for worship as the leaders. And I'll come back and close the service. Thank you.